Hello and you are very welcome to Dan and Dara on Dublin South FM. I am Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Airy. Thanks again to Mike Purcell who's given us the last hour with Mike at the mic. Mike at the mic, Mike at the mic, Mike at the mic. Dan, uh, I was going to say it's damp tonight, but it's actually particularly moist. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's quite accurate. Yeah, it is pretty much actually. Uh, I know I find I can get up and walk around. I'm sure you're sitting in a puddle of sweat. Uh, yeah, you know, those and other disability issues. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice complaint damn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know. I just I, I don't like the weather. I just no. I'm I'm not. I'm just I've had enough now of the sunshine and all of its wonderfulness. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I I do use the term wonderfulness in in the sort of Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like it. Take it away. <laughs> Please everybody take it away. Um Dan, fun pack show tonight. We have uh Neve Dunphy and Gigability later on actually. We're going to have a little bit of a sort of a relaunch. Absolutely. It's bigger. Looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. It's better. There's more. More disability news. Actually, it's pretty good, actually, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, gigs from uh, a point of view. Uh, I don't know whether you're going to share with us or not. We might just keep that later, though, because you were you went to see... Uh, who did you go see the weekend? Westlife. Westlife. Oh, Westlife. Yeah. Spitting me dicky. That's a completely different era, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, how was it? It was great. It was really good. I uh, went along with uh, Shauna Kelly and a few of his friends. And it was uh, kind of in uh, memory of Megs. And yeah, it was really enjoyable. Good. What was the access like? Uh, that was an interesting one, actually, because ah. we arrived in, right? And uh, we were told that the seats that we had, there had been lights fitted uh, in the the seats that we were allocated uh, that day. Oh. So we had to be wait to be reallocated seats, and then we were told that the seats that we were reallocated to were the other side of the stadium. Lovely. Yeah. So we were chaperoned around to the other side of the stadium, which meant that we missed part of the Sugar Babes, which were the Oh yeah, Sugar act. Babes, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all you went for, really, wasn't it? <laughs> oh yes, girls, yeah. Dan over here, I'm off to telly. Do you remember me? I was on first date. <laughs> Didn't pull, but I'm free. I'm all right, I'm over here, looking for love. Yeah. Do you know what? I'll give you a funny thing about that, actually, Dara, is that I was recognised twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Completely randomly, but sure look. There's your man off the telly. Mm. It's bitten me, Dan. Spit on me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, no hassle. Like, did you bring it straight across the picture? Did it take you the whole, the whole way out and all the way around? And... Uh, no, it was kind of, um, it was within the, like, you come in from the seating area at DVVA and we kind of just went around, went through um, the different the hallways, I suppose, of the view, if you can call it that. Um, yeah. You know, where, like... Where past all the hot dog stands, past all the expensive the beer, yeah. past all the really expensive chips. And uh, got there eventually, but, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't ideal. Hmm. But your luck. Yeah. Okay, so, Dan, loads of music as well. I'm sorry, you have a fantastic interview mm-hmm. coming up later on, that, that pre-recorded. Um, we're not going to try and Gam on this live because it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Tokyo Paralympian Roshi Nirin, Paralympic swimmer. Um, 
she's recently a double bronze medalist at the World Championships. Uh, and I'd like to thank her for offering her time and also to uh, Derek Kenevy and all at Paralympic Darn as well. <laughs> I've listened to it. I would encourage you to hang around and listen to it. Uh, it's a great interview. But Dan, we're going to have music, obviously. We're going to have a bit of Fall Out Boy, uh, David Keenan, mm-hmm. uh, the brand new Heavies, uh, possibly, actually. Yeah, we're going to have a bit of Fateless, but I've had to cut them. We'll have them next week. Uh, Neve, Neve Duffy's going to bring us a new track from Nathan Mack. Um, so mm-hmm. what have we got up first, Dan? We're going to start with a bit of chocolate. There you have it, Dan. A little bit of uh, Snow Patrol, Snow Patrol, and chocolate. Mm. Good choice. Where'd you find that one? Um, just had a look around. I, w- I was thinking about um, older songs. I suppose I was kind of in that frame of mind um, from the Westlake gig. Uh, just kind of found this one, and uh, I re- I do remember first hearing it and kind of going, "Chocolate, an interesting name for for a song." Um, now as I'm kind of older I understand that artists can have interesting and intricate names for songs but yeah um, I think was that about poo hmm? was it about poo chocolate I, I'm just not, wondering not that I'm aware no okay well I mean <laughs> you know it is a legitimate <laughs> answer uh, question yeah I wouldn't imagine it would be though okay fair enough yeah Okay. With that being said, I don't, I didn't get the impression that it was about actual chocolate either. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, that's reasonable. Right, Dan, listen, you may fill me in on all the sport now. As we, as we know, I was away on my holly bops, mm. and uh, I missed the first rugby. Probably just as well. Yeah, in a sense. Um, did you get to see the second one? No. <laughs> right. Well. It's a little bit of history. Um, because Ireland beat New Zealand in New Zealand. Yeah, is that a big deal? It certainly is. Uh, yeah, because it's the first time that Ireland have beaten New Zealand in New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, and it makes it very spicy um, for next weekend. This weekend coming, I should say. Um, yeah, interesting one. There was a few, um, shall we say, questionable refereeing decisions. Ah, uh, you can't be blaming the referee, Dan. I, 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 just something pointed out. This is regardless of, of result and, and so on. Um, World Rugby are actually looking into it as well because there was a situation... Uh, well, a couple of situations actually, a few. Um, one where the New Zealand winger jumped into uh, Mac Hansen, our winger, and caught him in the face with an elbow. Um, and it was a judge that initial contact was on the chest, so it wasn't a judge to be a red card. And then there was another situation where Gary Ringos was clean through for a try um, after a Johnny Sexton break and 
for some reason, the referee and the TMO um, both thought that there was enough cover back uh, not to warrant a penalty try. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely... It's going to make it interesting viewing uh, next weekend. Um, because, yeah, there, there has been, in some of the articles that I've read and so on, there's been some questions raised about the quality of the refereeing so far mm. and the amount that I suppose New Zealand... But we still have a match around. tomorrow. Yes, we do. Uh, against the Marys. Yeah, and little Keith Earls is going to be captain. Indeed. Which I think is a great choice because he's just... For him. yeah. He's just a ledge. He certainly is. And he got the first try in the first test. Yes, he did. Got us off to the dream start. Yeah. Um, I kind of... I'm delighted from the captain, but I'm also kind of... Yes, Mac Hansen was originally going to start the first test. Um, excuse me, because... And he couldn't because of a COVID diagnosis, but... I think, I don't know, I think Keith Earls warranted a start in the second. But sure, look, we won the game, so. Yeah, but like, who does Matt Hansen play for? Connacht. Yeah, you see, no one cares. <laughs> Simple as. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. <laughs> you are listening to Dan and Dara here on Dublin South FM uh, on 93.9 FM. Online, all over the place. Where, Dan? Online at dublinsetfm.ie and you can find the Dan and Dara doability podcast on all podcast platforms so uh, other rugby on the weekend Dan yeah so the home nations i.e. Um, Ireland England Scotland Wales uh, had a very successful weekend because England beat Australia 25-17 uh, Wales beat South Africa 13-12 and Scotland beat Argentina 29-6 so that means that all of the tours are going down to to a decider next weekend can I say that I, I enjoy my rugby um, mm-hmm. but it all passed me by this weekend completely just gone now I didn't mind when I was away for the first test because mm. internet coverage was a bit ropey at best where we were Right, and it would, would have been just really, really annoying. But I even got up Saturday morning; I had a lot to do, and I just kind of went, eh. you know. Yeah, but there are other things to be doing, you know. Yeah. yeah okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm Fine. just saying. I, I'm just yeah. saying. I could understand it. Speaking of other things, Dan, right? That I have absolutely no interest in tennis. Yeah. Wimbledon. I know you were there. Not this time, but you've been, you've been there. Time. I was. I was there in 2018. Yeah. Uh, special, special memories. Um, balls. New balls, please. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, Novak Djokovic uh, beats Nick Kyrgios in four sets. And he is now a seven-time Wimbledon champion and a 21-time Grand Slam champion. So he's won off uh, Rafa Nadal on 22. Right, I'm going to ask you a question. So who won the female one? Uh, Elena Rybikina. Who? She's a new face. She's got... Uh, Clearly, I... Do you know, I, I, oh, it's grand. I don't follow tennis. Like, but Wimbledon was always something in Toronto. Yeah, completely missed it. Mm. Uh, yeah, she's got uh, one of the biggest serves and 
biggest growing strokes in in the women's game at the minute, with obviously with the exception to uh, Serena Williams, but she's been um, out with injury recently. Uh, so and actually Serena Williams made her comeback in the first round, but lost in the first round, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to see kind of more players. Um, taking over the mantle if you I, I, I don't know whether that's too much of a word to say because of the amount that the Williams sisters have done for tennis uh, but we'll have to wait and see well that's the point I mean I don't know any other, I don't know anybody else um, yeah but then that's just me probably more than anything else the Grand Prix was on as well the weekend Dan again <laughs> pass me by no idea <laughs> Uh, it was so. Um, Charlotte Clerk, Charlotte Claire, I should say, uh, won for Ferrari. Never heard of him. They were on course for a one-two, um, but his teammate Carlos Sainz's car heard of him blew up. Oh, nice. Uh, so that was unfortunate for him, but uh, yeah, interesting race. They had um, a sprint on the Saturday, which basically meant. It was 24 laps, but so they had the qualifying on the Friday, uh, a 24 lap that would uh, determine the grid for the Saturday sprint, which is a 24 lap sprint, which determined the grid for the race on Sunday, which was a very short lap as well. So it was interesting. So the weather, Dan, Scorchio. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Nailed it in one action. Absolutely, yeah. So I think we will have a little bit of Fallout Boy and uh, Unholy Ghosts. <laughs> that is, of course, uh, Fallout Boy with Centuries and not, uh, as I had previously advertised, Unholy Ghost. Mm. Yeah. There, uh, <laughs> will you please? Ah, sure I might, you know, just. Ah, sure, why wouldn't I? Hmm. That's not even going to work for me now. I, I don't know. Can, can somebody come in, please, and rescue Dara, please? You're not having a good time, are you? It is indeed Dara, 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 Dumb South FM. I remain Dara McNicholas, although sometimes I think about it. <laughs> and I remain Dan Eric. Okay, Dan, uh, do you know, uh, how do we arrive at this point so early? I don't know. Um, the way time goes. Yeah, I don't I, I'm kind of I'm just kind of a little bit annoyed about the time goes in here actually for some strange reason and uh, time flies when you're having fun eh? time time it does indeed fly when you're having fun um, do 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 you know what if we go to Neve now mm-hmm. that's not going to work <laughs> right right do you know what I'm going to back it up a small bit here now okay and um, oh I can't even do that um <laughs> So anyway, we're having this really, really bad <laughs> super launch of uh, Gigability, the blog here on Dan and Dara Doability. Um, and uh, this really hasn't kind of worked, but we're going to start <laughs> again anyway. Uh, we'll, start, we'll start without Faith. Yeah, Sorry. and as soon as she turns in, we'll, we'll, we'll let her off. Neve, so, first so, thing first, great to have you back. Oh, lads, but, it's delightful to be back. I missed you. Welcome back. Yeah, I've missed you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the appropriate response? 
Yes. Okay, good, good. Okay, I, I, I'm down with that. Well, you ain't that socially awkward, Dara, don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, what can you do? I didn't realise. I've been gone for, like, two months. Weird. Yeah, but not forgotten, Eve. Not forgotten. Exactly, yeah. I didn't forget about. No. Sure, you, you've, you've been here in the presence of your absolute tunes that you keep sending us. Yeah. Right, Neve, where do you want to start until um, Fate gets here? So, for my for my gig of last month, I went to Billy Eilish, Dan, who I know you love. Mm-hmm. Where That's was she on? Uh, tree Arena. Right. You love the Tree Arena. You're not going to say anything bad about Tree Arena anyway. Well, I will, right? Because I did something different to what I would normally do while, while I was with while I was with Leah, because we were able to do it. So I checked out the, I actually checked out the wheelchair toilet this time because I wasn't by myself. So the wheelchair toilet, as you, just before you go around to like the, where the, where the wheelchair area is. Right. It's really, it's really, really small for maneuver for even, for you, if you were to do transfers that, it'd be very difficult. And okay. For, for somebody like me, no changing places toilet because literally literally what i got leah to do was i got her to stand in the in the toilet with me just to see how big it would be and it's tiny like i wouldn't even be able, i wouldn't even be able to do a stand transfer and i had to like chapman so improvements of bathroom accessibility is one thing i will say but the rest of it's fine that's not great no it's not really to put it mildly, I mean, you want to go to a gig to kind of forget about your situation and just enjoy the gig for a while, and then that happens. So tell us of the gig itself and Billy Eilish. Who I used to like, not so much anymore. Why do you not like her anymore? Dad? Just got fed up with her. Fair enough, I'll take that. Yeah, so the gig itself was actually fantastic. I wasn't, I wasn't really sure whether I was gonna like it because. I wasn't as big of it. I wasn't as big of a fan of hers as I was when I bought them because of like COVID and music face changes and stuff. But best best gig performance wise I've ever seen. Like she even snuck in like all of her old music from like her EPs and stuff in like a little in like a little medley kind of thing. Ah, uh, which was cool. which was really which was really fun. And as well, she was she was on this like kind of a. What, what was kind of, what I can only describe as like a cherry picker, but I had like a platform on it for it to kind of go, like, go around the crowd, if you get me. Interesting. Like it's, it's, cir- it's circulated around the arena, if that makes sense. That's cool. So at least, not that you wouldn't have been within full view of the stage, but at least that continued throughout the whole Had we, had we have been on the other side, she, like, she would have faced us at one point. Jump in. Had we been on the other side of where the other wheelchair spaces were, she would have faced us up and point. Cool. Which was which was actually quite cool. Yeah, like very like fire coming out of the stage and everything. Very very good gig. Unreal performer. It was it was kind of what it was kind of what you'd expect, like sort of dark kind of imagery on screens and stuff. Generation does her videos that way. Yeah. Kind like kind of like that. But yeah, highly entertaining. And like, one of one of the things that I do enjoy about gigs is when obviously first and foremost the music but then um, sometimes when artists kind of talk to the audience and 
communicate with you? Did she do? Did she do much of that? She did. She did like a fair balance of it, to be honest, because I was kind of I was kind of wondering would she, because obviously we know not a lot of musicians do. Right. Do yeah. A lot of them. And she did, she did, she did, she did, a, she did a fair balance of like, even like reading people's signs and stuff that were in like. Nice, like, cool, that's good. The crowd and stuff was cool. Just like I was thoroughly impressed, thoroughly impressed. It was very, very good. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, next up, first name you have the East Village Open Mic. Tell us about that. Yeah. So this month's one I didn't get to go to, but the way but the way this will work is it's a monthly slot that I'm negotiated for us to do for, for us to do for part of this segment with the lads in East Village Coffee in Pandorkin Village. If you're ever looking for a nice coffee or some nice food, uh please go because they're absolutely fantastic, even to the point of like being very accessible in and field for people with dexterity issues and still making it look very presentable as well. But yeah, so what the, what those East, that East Village open mic night is is just up and come up and coming musicians or like spoken word poets or that that kind of thing get getting up on a stage and doing a bit of a jam session and all and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be, not, it'd be nice for me to go and see from a different angle of stuff that's not like mainstream artists. Something that's, a bit, something that's a bit more homegrown, even though it's, that's what I do myself. But, like, I don't get the opportunity to go and watch a lot of it. Yeah, it's more grassroots, even than grassroots. But to go and observe it, it would be quite fun. Mm. Right, Neve, do you know what? Uh, no sign of fate. Do you know what I'm going to do? Um, tomorrow or Wednesday. Okay. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a podcast, me, you, and fate. Yeah. Uh, just to get this right. Um, you know what I mean. I know. I know. Faith has a lot, a lot of stuff she wants to cover as well. So, um, rather than kind of wait until next week um, and either not talking about it or whatever, um, we'll sort something out. Yeah, because I was, th- I was thinking about that. Anyway, while while we've got the slight bit of time, also just to mention about the fact that I've been working with Nate and Mac recently, who you two will know from different shows and podcasts and stuff that I've done. I like Nate. I, know, yes. I like Nate and Mac. Yeah. He's fantastic, but at this well, pretty much about March time, I think he came to me and he asked me about accessible venues for his album launch and film premiere, which is now released and the date for that is now released is being held in the Workman's Club in September. So it's his start of something blue album, his start of something blue album release and his and his. Learning Curve uh, independent film launch. It's Ireland's first ever circus musical. So very, very interested and very grateful to him for coordinating with me and giving me the full press coverage for that to do for this as well. Interesting. Excellent. We'll talk about that more uh, during the week, Neve. but you do have a track from Nathan. I do have a track from Nathan. This is this is broken and beautiful. So for anybody who doesn't know, Nathan Mack is a cinematic pop artist from Dublin. He's also a a former, a former circus performer, and this track is to go off his next single. Excellent. Thanks, Neve. I will talk to you during the week. Lovely, Dan. Do you know, we are going to go straight into your interview with uh, Roisin. Well, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Listen, I, I suppose the only 
the only place for me to start really is uh, more recently um, with the World Championships. Um, and a massive congratulations on that. Uh, how does it feel to be a double bronze medalist? Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a surreal feeling, like can't really put it into words. Um, but like, especially for me, I definitely wasn't going in to the World Championships with an expectation of a medal because I think it would definitely be the hope in a year's two time, but I really didn't expect it. Um, this soon after a games, um, and like I was very happy. I swam, I swam quite well. Like I was a little bit off my best in some events, um, but I mean, like to come away with two bronze medals, like I was absolutely not expecting that. Um, so yeah, that is a pretty, pretty serious feeling. <laughs> Absolutely, that's fantastic. And does that mean now that you're you're having to kind of um, readjust your your expectations going forward? Definitely, I think like as I said, I wasn't expecting it to come this year. So it it just shows me, you know, what what I could do in the future and what I am capable of. Um, and I think it just makes me hungrier. You know, wanna I all I wanted to do afterwards. I had a disappointing last swim, but all I said, I said to my coach, I said, I just want to get back home and train that much harder so that I can be even better next time. So I think it's definitely given me, definitely given me that drive. Brilliant, brilliant. And what would be your earliest memory of swimming, do you think? Oh, my earliest memory of swimming. Well, I started swimming when I was about four, I would say. I started lessons in the UL pool in Limerick which is still where I train now um, and I used to go in there twice a week um, and I would say that's one of my earliest memories literally just learning how to swim um, and some of those coaches and some of those coaches I still see around today so that's like you know that's really lovely. Oh that's fantastic so you're, you're still kind of there's still that almost familial feel to it. Yeah, definitely. I think even like UL, like in the pool itself, like a lot of the coaches are the same or even like the people that taught you to swim, they'll also be your coaches in the future. And um, my coach at the moment is has come over to Ireland from Scotland. So obviously I didn't know him until a year or two ago. But mm-hmm. a lot of the coaches there, a lot of the, you know, pool staff, they'd all be the same. So, you know, I've known them for a long time as well. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I suppose if if we were to fast forward uh, to a year ago now, I mean, do you remember where you were when you were selected for the Paralympics? I think, actually, do you know what? I think I was on the way to training and we got the official confirmation email to say that we had been selected. Um, and then we had a day out up in Dublin where we did the whole press release and that. Um, but no, I think, anyway, I think I was in the car on the way to training and I opened my emails and I said to my dad in the car, oh, I've just been selected. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm sure there was a lot of adrenaline going through your body at that stage. Oh, definitely. And uh, I've always been curious, Roisin, in terms of the Paralympic cycle, because I suppose when we're watching the the Paralympics, it's kind of everybody's there and and they're in the zone, I suppose, of a games, and that's where you're kind of expected to perform to um, 
the highest level that you can. Um, so how did you go about preparing for for Tokyo? Um, well, obviously, it was definitely a bit of an unusual press this time with having COVID and everything. Um, but for me, I only got... So I was meant to get my international classification done in February of 2020. And basically, once you have your international classification, you can then swim all para competitions or anything that you've qualified for. But until you get that, you're not able to. So I was meant to get that. And a day before that trip, obviously, COVID, because I was meant to get it done in Italy. And mm. they said, no, we can't go. And then obviously, the whole COVID happened for a year. We were out of the water, in and out for a good long while. Um, so I only got it done pretty much a year later. And that's like in April. So only three or four months before Tokyo. So it was very, it was all done, like for me, it was very fast. Obviously, I still kept up training, you know, as well, as much as I could in lockdown. But like my training didn't change, say, when I found out or anything like that. But for me, the whole process was a bit rushed like that, I, I would say. Okay. Um, so it was like one thing after another. So I got my classification then I was like, right, okay, now you need to try and get some qualifying times. And it was all, it was very it was that and then Europeans and then all of a sudden it was the games. It all happened very, very quickly for me. And do you think that was an advantage or a disadvantage or a bit of both? I would say I would say it was an advantage um, because I also have to look back and think that if COVID happened, I, or if COVID hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have you know made it to the games like we never really know you know but I think that extra year of COVID really did benefit benefit me um, so I think in that sense it was an advantage and also the fact that it was one competition after another it was almost like I didn't have time to stop and think or to stop and you know overthink anything get nervous it was all really one after another so I think it definitely worked to my advantage in that way. Brilliant, brilliant. I think you're 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 similar to myself because I'd definitely be someone that would that would overthink quite a bit. <laughs> definitely, yeah. <laughs> and I I suppose as somebody um, with a a visual impairment, how was accessibility uh, for you in in Tokyo? Um, for me, I found this very good. You know, for visually impaired, I think it's a bit different in that, you know, there is, I would almost say there's a bit more, especially I'm visually impaired, but then there's fully blind people as well. Um, but even just like on the walkways, they always had something on the ground for the visually impaired tracks for them to follow. Um, and then around the pool as well, it was really well signposted and everything was, for me, obviously, um, everything was really big. All the signposts there, like you would be able to see them um, if you were close enough to them. So I think in that sense, I found it, um, definitely I found it accessible. That's great here. That's great here. Because I know there had been kind of, in the past, there have been question marks over certain um, cities in the past, whether they've been, been doing enough um, for access. So it, it's great to hear that the Tokyo kind of stepped up to the mark that's good news yeah definitely I think they definitely did um, for me obviously I don't know anything before that but 
Um, mm. For me, I did definitely think that they were uh, very good with the accessibility side. And for myself and Dara, um, because we, when Tokyo was going on, we were very um, much across it. And we were, I suppose, doing our best to try and understand um, the classification systems um, in terms of, like, S1 to S14, from what I understand it, is a severe physical condition. And then you have S11s who are visual impairment. And then there was various different um, athletes using um, different aids to help them help them swim. From your perspective, I know you're S13. Um, so what what does that entail for you? Um, so, yeah, obviously, as you said, S1 to 10 is physical um, disability and then 11 to 13 is visual and 14 is intellectual. But yeah, I'm, okay. um, a, I'm an S13 um, and I think for me, I obviously, it's a visual impairment, so I struggle with my eyesight. Um, but for me, the biggest thing is my visual fields. I can see nothing to either side of me. Um, and then I would struggle quite a bit with my visual acuity, so in front of me as well. Um, so just different things when you're swimming. Like, And I think any visually impaired swimmer will agree with this. Turns are definitely a challenge. You know, spotting the wall, when to turn, when to finish. Mm-hmm. Um on backstroke anyway, there's flags and trying to see them. We can't see them, so you have to count your strokes um, and just different things like that. Swimming in a straight line is also another big challenge for visually impaired swimmers. Um, but yeah, there's some of them anyway. Yeah, and I, I suppose it it's just something as as simple as that. You know, even even listening to you there, like it's it's an awful lot to consider. You know, having to to count strokes and having to worry about, you know, swimming fast first and foremost, but then also swimming in a straight line, as you mentioned. Exactly. <laughs> and I suppose for us, it's it's been a common theme for us in terms of um, raising awareness around disability and disability representation and so on. So how... What is your opinion of where Ireland is at the minute in terms of um, disability and disability awareness and representation and so on? Um, I think definitely in the last couple of years they have gotten um, better, but I think there definitely is, and I think most people would agree, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement um, in that sense. But I definitely do think we've come a lot, a uh, good bit in the last couple of years, um, and people are making an effort um, to be more inclusive to people with disabilities, um, and definitely in sport as well. It's definitely gotten a lot better in the last in the last while. You know, um, mm. I think a lot of people would have said when they were younger that they didn't know what it was, but whereas the generation these kind of these days. They're more aware and they're more tuned into disability and disability in sports as well. So I think there definitely is a lot of room to improve, but I definitely think that um, we have come a nice way. 
That's good to hear. That's good to hear. And I, I suppose um, you, you mentioned there in terms of sport being kind of a leader in terms of um, representation and, and so on and raising awareness. And I don't know about you, but I've kind of noticed with, with the Paralympics that it is the... Well, I, I suppose there's no debate in this. It, it's the pinnacle of sport and disability and ability, first off. Um, but I was curious, do you think um, we rely too much on the on the Paralympics as a tool to educate people ab- about disability? Um, I would say I definitely do agree to that to some extent. Um, I think you know, everyone everyone looks at the Paralympics um as, you know, that where I suppose some people like where they want to be, where they want to get to in the future. But I do think there needs to be more emphasis on kind of disability in sport, but from a young age. So children, you know, being taught um that they can from a very young age get into sport and they with a disability that they shouldn't feel you know, left out or that they can't participate, that they should be included from that young age. And I think if kids know more from a young age, then it can only it can only do better in raising awareness then, you know, and I think that's another way Ireland could progress is, you know, bringing it into the younger generation as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. It's always been something that's been on my mind in terms of, you know, in, encouraging kids to to ask questions and 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 be curious about it because I don't know about you, but I've I've um I found that sometimes people are afraid to ask questions because they're almost worried that they might offend you. <laughs> um yeah, definitely. You know, people. I think definitely, as you said, people are scared, and I think it is for that reason. But I think, you know, if they knew more about it from a young age, then maybe they wouldn't be as afraid to ask the questions. And, you know, when they ask, like, all they can, they can only benefit from asking questions, you know, they'll obviously find out more. So I think, yeah, I would definitely, they would definitely benefit from that. Deadly, deadly. And looking forward, what are your thoughts on uh, Paris 2024? Um, yeah, I think as I said, like it's only made me more excited um, now, and it's only it's a short cycle, obviously this time with um, everything being squashed into three years instead of four. Mm. Um, so you know we've only got two years left, which really isn't that much time when you think about it. You know Tokyo was a full year ago now. That's mad to think like that the year flew by. Yeah, um, absolutely, it's crazy. I think anyway. Um, and I have another year left in school, so I'm sure that'll make it fly by as well. And then all of a sudden, it's only a year left. Um, so I think, you know, for me, all I can do is put my head down and train as hard as I can um, and definitely set some big goals for Paris then. Absolutely. And how are you finding the the balance between, you know, because as you said, you're, you, you've got another year left in school, Um so the balance between that and then you know training when you need to and and events and and things like that. Um, I think 
it's definitely been more challenging this year, you know, being in fifth year because I had two years off school before that, pretty much with COVID mm-hmm. and all of that. So I think it has been a bit more challenging this year, and I can only imagine it will be even more challenging next year going into my leaving third year. But I do think, you know, for me, I just need to find that balance. I need a schedule, a routine to stick to. And once I have that, you know, I'm pretty good at sticking to a routine. So as long as I know that I need to be doing this thing at this time um, and have everything kind of set out for the day and then do that for the week, um, I find that really helps me. Deadly, deadly. And what is, what, what's next for you? Um, what's next for me? So we really don't have we have world championships next summer. So the next big competition is pretty much a year away now, and um, even more. Um, it's not until August next year in Manchester. Um, so that's the next big competition. Um, and I'm sure I just I just ran world championships two weeks ago, and I just went away with my group from home last week to a competition in Scotland. So it's been all go. Um, since then and one more I've the Irish Nationals in the summer and then a little break um, so that'll be lovely then Fant- a bit of time off fantastic fantastic well listen we wish you all the best and uh, thank you very very much for for taking the time to talk to us and we'll, we'll keep in touch and looking forward to seeing what you get up to thank you very much and thank you for having me on Dan super interview well done Thank you very much. And thank you also to uh, Rosie and herself and to Derek Kniemi again from uh, Paralympics Ireland for putting them all together. No, and absolutely brilliant. Uh, there's, there's a lot there. Absolutely. Things you, uh, things you just don't think about, obviously. Uh, the strokes in the water. Uh, yeah. Not being able to see your turning point because you're visually, visually impaired. Ah, just being able to swim in a straight line first off. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know people who aren't uh, visually impaired who can't sleep or can't, uh, can't I can't even speak, can't uh, swim in a straight line. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is pretty, yeah, just even find your way around mm. Beijing. Tokyo. Tokyo, sorry, my <laughs> apologies. Um, yeah, just, you know, yeah. things you just don't think about. And the training aspect of things with, with COVID and, yeah, fascinating. I, I'd always been... Um, being curious as I said with the interview kind of because when you see the Paralympics and the Olympics it's very much you know it's there and they're performing so Dan time has beaten us uh, strangely enough actually what a what a fun and interesting evening it's been what's up next up next we have Ray M with Country Sound